Well, thanks ever so much for joining us again. What I'd like to do today is revisit our peace of mind discussion or add to it. And I'd like to tell you a little story right off the bat. Many years ago, Dr. Jerry Jampolsky and Tom Green and I published a book entitled Children as Teachers of Peace. And we invited little grade school kids from all over the country to send in either their statements or their pictures about what peace meant to them or what they would say to world leaders if they were asked. And one little boy wrote in a picture, which we actually included because it demonstrated what people think, is peace is boring. Well, if you think that peace means sitting around doing nothing as if you're in time out, that really would be boring. But happily, that's not what peace is. So A Course in Miracles comes to our rescue once again. Now, Remembering that A Course in Miracles is remedial. It's not a how-to-get-my-way book. It's not a lot of material about what happens after you die, and it's not a lot of complicated metaphysics. It just meets us where we think we are, which is separate and living in an objective world and finite and feeling hassled and scared and and sometimes happy and content, but usually there's always a mix there. And at any given time, there's a big percentage of us that feel confused and hurt. And by not understanding how life works, we pour gasoline on the fire and make it worse. We don't deserve what we set ourselves up for. And the Course offers us brilliant help in guiding us back to peace. And after peace, more wonderful things, but first things first. So don't underestimate the magnitude of those three little words. Now, one of the things the Course says out of about five or 10,000 really important things is that you cannot evaluate a system from within it. For instance, if you're brought up in a certain religion, or if you live in a family that has a particular political persuasion, or all of the different cultures that exist around the world, that's all you will know. And the Course, being outside our system, sees things from a much broader perspective. And of course, its goal is to help us see things from a much broader perspective, because until we do, we don't know if this system that we've been brought up in is accurate or truthful or in our best interests or anything else. We've got to be outside it to see it. So one of the things that we do within our worldly system is that we believe tremendously in defensiveness. We think defenses from personal to international are absolutely essential, and we're just convinced that that's what makes us safe. Well, we couldn't possibly be more in error. So let's take a look at the perspective from outside our system. And here's what it might look like. It would instruct us that you can't feel peace, which is the birthright that the Course attempts to return to us if we don't feel safe. And we can't feel safe if we feel hurt because we think there'll be more of it, or if we feel guilty, because when we feel guilty, whether we realize it or not, we anticipate punishment. Guilt and punishment are 
two sides of the same coin. And those beliefs and feelings and ideas get wired in very early. So when we feel hurt and unsafe and basically attacked, we'll defend physically and psychologically. The physical defenses get built in very, very early. Such things as learning to breathe in a shallow way or because of the mirror neurons, we mimic as tiny little people the holding patterns in the body, in the musculature of the body of our parents. So all of that physical defending begins very early. And then later on, we learn our emotional and mental defenses. Wow. So here we are, all defended by the time we, quote, grow up. And that is really a slippery slope that we are sliding down. What we don't realize is, is that defenses do what they would defend against. They bring to us more of what it is we don't want. Because to defend against something is to resist it. And resistance always brings more. And the reason it brings more is that to defend against something, you have to be paying attention to it. And attention is key. What we pay attention to is, you might say, a request of the universe to just do this in cartoon form. It says, I want more of this. And there's not a query made back to us that says, Are you really sure that you want more pain, that you want more catastrophe? Are you sure that's what you want? It doesn't know if you're paying attention to it because you want more of it or you're trying to run away from it. All it knows is you're paying attention to it. Okay, here's more. Now, part of the reason why this gives us more is that when we treat people or groups of people or nations as if they are guilty and intending to hurt us, which is what we imply when we defend against them, what this does is turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy. It brings out the worst in other people because everybody carries their own quotient of guilt. And when we accuse them of trying to hurt us, we basically are affirming to them, yes, indeed, you're guilty, which is a very painful experience, although a lot of this goes on in an unconscious way. So you can be guaranteed that when I defend against a person or a group, I will bring out the worst in them, and I will get to be right that, sure enough, they're awful. Well, being awful is not the only way they could be, but it is what I bring out. There's a lesson that's entitled, If I defend myself, I am attacked. And I would like to just read you a couple of paragraphs from that lesson because it represents the world's perspective as opposed to this much broader perspective that the Course would like to lead us toward. So here it is. This starts a couple of paragraphs down within lesson number 135. You operate from the belief that you must protect yourself from what is happening because it must contain what threatens you. A sense of threat is acknowledgement of an inherent weakness. A belief that there is danger which has power to call on you to make appropriate defense. The world is based on this insane belief and all of its structures, all its thoughts and doubts, 
its penalties and heavy armaments, its legal definitions and its codes, its ethics and its leaders and its gods, all serve but to preserve its sense of threat. For no one walks the world in armature, but must have terror striking at its heart. Defense is frightening. It stems from fear, increasing fear, as each defense is made. You think it offers safety, yet it speaks of fear made real and terror justified. Is it not strange you do not pause to ask as you elaborate your plans and make your armor thicker and your locks more tight what you defend and how and against what? A Course in Miracles is never at a loss for words, and it doesn't whitewash or sugarcoat anything. So the more we defend ourselves, the more we feel attacked, and the more our conflict increases, and everybody loses. Even those who may appear to gain, say, from international conflict are actually losing because there's nobody whose guilt is not being compounded with this. And at a level, all of us who feel guilty and make others feel guilty, which increases our guilt because we always experience more of what we offer to others, are really very heartbroken over what we're doing. I watched the news the other day and caught the end of some segment where they were interviewing an ISIS fighter. And his face was blurred so he would not be recognizable. And he was weeping. The strain of keeping up hatred is very great. And he was obviously suffering from it. So the Course understands how self-defeating our perspective is and is certainly doing everything it can to help us change our minds about this. In other words, it needs to bring some sanity to us because all of this is basically insane. It needs to move us to another direction so that instead of a closed defense attack loop, we can have another closed, I'm here to help you, I'm here to remind you that you're a lovely person or country or group. In other words, it wants that to be what we cycle around in, and rather than you're terrible, I have to defend against you and turn you into my enemy. I want to turn you into my friend instead. I would like to share a few stories directly related to this. When my boys were teenagers, we were watching a program about Russia. This would have been really 30 years ago when the Cold War was still raging. And I don't know what the purpose of this program was, but I pointed out to my boys, notice the subtext here. They're using words to describe things that are going on over in the Soviet Union. They're showing certain kinds of pictures. This is propaganda at work. At least part of the intention of this work is to paint a picture in your mind of the Russians and and the other people in the Soviet Union as the enemy, as different from us, as flawed in some way to support our position of keeping them eternally as the enemy. So I always wanted them to know, since they're going to be subjected to conditioning of all kinds, and of course that begins from birth and before, if you're aware of what the intention is to turn somebody to an enemy, then you don't have to buy into it. So 
speaking of, in January of 1986, I went to Russia as part of a citizen diplomacy group, and it was certainly one of the most healing and amazing experiences of my whole life. And we were told, as part of our getting ready for this trip, that we were not to talk to anybody in military uniform. In other words, they're truly the bad guys. So I thought this was so preposterous. I think I must have been indulging in some teenage rebellion, although I was decades past my teenage years, because I made sure that I talked to military people when I could find them. I couldn't really find very many people in uniform. There were some fellas guarding the Kremlin gates. So I made sure I talked to them. And they were as sweet and as kind as they possibly could have been. I asked them questions in what little Russian I knew. And it was delightful to just march right up to the so-called enemy and consider them my friend and watch them respond as a friend. There were many, many, many fabulous stories like that. At one point, the 85 of us who were Americans met with about 125 Russians at one of their peace palaces. And we met in a large group, and then we divided up in smaller groups depending upon our various interests. And at the end, we all came together back down in the big entrance hall of this, what had been one of the czar's palaces. And everybody was totally in love. There's just nothing like looking at the, quote, enemy, unquote, the people that we tried so hard to turn into the enemy and to realize how amazing and beautiful and wonderful they were. And the guides on our trip kept saying, ladies and gentlemen, we have to get back on the bus. We have to go to lunch. We're two hours late or three hours late or something. It's like, who cares about lunch? All the Russians and Americans were hugging each other and singing and holding hands, and we could hardly be pried apart. It was really an amazing experience to fall in love with the enemy quote, unquote. There's one last story that somehow epitomizes the possibility when you get outside your little program system to see what's possible. We were in Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, of course, and we were in the lobby of the hotel getting ready to board buses to go to the train to go down to Moscow. And there had been one woman on our trip who was really very nervous about being there. Sometimes being in a circumstance like this, after all, here we are in the, quote, evil empire, that she became more anxious with every passing day. And on that particular evening, as we're all getting ready to leave, she finally totally loses it and starts screaming at the top of her lungs in the lobby of this big hotel. Oh dear, now what? Because she cannot be put on the train. She certainly cannot be put on an airplane to be sent back to the United States. And the people in the hotel said, well, you can't leave her here. So among our group, there was a doctor and a nurse, and they agreed that they would stay behind for 24 hours, get her settled someplace other than this hotel, get on the train 24 hours later and meet us, which in fact happened. So they ended up putting this terrified woman in a psychiatric hospital. Well, what could be more frightening 
if you're already frightened, is to be put into a psychiatric hospital in the heart of the evil empire. So here's what happened. These wonderful two people stayed with her throughout that day, and she came out of some sort of sedation that they put her under, and she said, she told us about this later, please don't sedate me. I'm so afraid of what will happen if I'm sedated. And the staff there said, okay. Well, not only did they say, okay, they did everything possible to make her feel safe, to make her feel cared for. Some of the staff members recognizing that she was missing out on half of her time in Russia, took her on private little excursions so that she could see as much as possible. And at the end of that week, the plan was that as the train retraced its steps from Moscow back up to Leningrad, that they would be there waiting at the station, that we would retrieve her, she would join our group. And here as we pulled up to the platform, I'll never forget this, here were these lovely young American Marines from the American consulate and two or three of the staff members from the Russian hospital. I'm always moved when I think of this story. And these so-called enemies jointly presented us back a healed woman. She was smiling. She was happy. She had broken through. She had broken down and broken through her terrible terror, and the sight of the combination of the avowed sworn enemies having joined together to help this woman heal, it was just an amazing sight, and everything about it was an amazing experience. And so the Course stands outside our system and says, if you could only see this from the broader perspective, where you could see that you're all alike, you're all in this together, you all love each other, you all deserve to be loving, and it's time to, as it says, put down your shield and sword that profits nothing and come together in our own way of learning. And my goodness, you certainly will find out that the peace of mind that that brings is just much better than being terrified and scared and hassled and confused, which is what you'll get if everybody else remains the enemy. See you next time. 